Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows, and on this episode, we are going to continue our G1 Climax 33 coverage. Today is July 19, 2023. We're going to go over the matches for C and D blocks. So we're going to start off with D block. Yano versus Zack Sabre Jr. This match is a silly, silly, silly match. It has nothing to do with story, nothing at all. It doesn't progress anything. So just know that Yano comes out first. In the team of TMDK, the acronym stands for The Mighty Don't Kneel. And it was created by Shane Hayson, Mikey Nichols, and they're Australian. And that's what they used over there in Australia before branching out and wrestling all over the world. The Mighty Don't Kneel, TMDK. At the front of TMDK is Zack Zaber Jr. Zack Zaber Jr. is a technician. He's one of the best technicians. I personally still think he's a dickhead, but he is a technician. They have adopted a young boy named Kosei Fujita. He has not graduated the dojo yet, so he's still a young boy. He's under the wing of TMDK and Zack Zaber Jr. So Kosei Fujita dressed up as Zack Zaber Jr. minus the hair dye and decided to go to the ring and was introduced as Zack Zaber Jr. Yano didn't know what to do with himself, didn't understand. So he took off his kimono jacket and put it on another young boy. I do not remember this young boy's name. I am so sorry, but he's also part of the dojo. And he sent the young boy in there to have a match with Kosei Fujita. So what happens is that Zack Zaber Jr. finally comes out, does a sleeper hold on Yano, and then instructs Kosei Fujita, his young boy, to tape up the straps of the corner pads of the ring. If you guys don't know or you just new listening to my podcast episodes, and you don't know the shenanigans of what Yano does, let me tell you. Yano likes to take off the corner pad and use it as a weapon. The referee allows him to do it. And you might think like, well, that should be a DQ. In the world of Yano and his comedic shenanigans, I should say, his comedic shenanigans, he gets to do whatever the fuck he wants. So Zack Zaber Jr. knows this and decides to tape up the straps so that way Yano doesn't do it. And Yano finds out later that he can't take off the corner pad. And so we just have a silly little match where it's pin, kick out, pin, kick out until Zack Zaber Jr. gets a full on stack pin on Yano. Get the one, two, three. And Zack Zaber Jr. gets two easy points for his G1 Climax 33. This leaves Yano with zero. So this was a silly match. However... You want to know what's not silly, ladies and gentlemen? Saving 30% off on a paid plan to Zencaster. That's right. Did you ever think about becoming a podcaster? You probably should. The world needs your story. Everyone needs to hear, chime in, give their thoughts. And creating a podcast is actually great therapy. You can talk about whatever you want. Make sure you have the right audience. And guess what? It gives you professional sounding quality. That's right. Zencaster gives you all the tools you need to make exquisite, amazing podcast episodes just at a couple of clicks, your computer, maybe your phone, on the app, anywhere, take it with you. So it allows you to have equal audio levels. So that way for those listening on headphones, don't get to blow out their eardrums. 
you can also remove the ums and the ahs, the weird awkwardness, the pauses. This is the strength of Zencaster. And it's all-in-one tools. The cool thing about it is that if you want to start interviewing guests, they make it so seamless, so easy. It helps me out all the time. So I like to send my guests a browser link. They can open that up on their phone or on their laptop. They don't have to download a thing. So it's easy for them, easy for me. I give them the link. They come into the room. I explain to them, are they comfortable with audio and video? If they are comfortable with both, we do both. Because guess what? When you do a video interview podcast episode, your numbers increase by two. Two times the normal rate of just listening to audio. Now, everyone's a little bit different in what they like. But trust me, my numbers have increased two times as much when I upload video interview podcasts when I interview professional wrestlers. So Zencaster allows me those options to have audio and video. Of course, if your guest is not comfortable with video, audio would do just as fine. And it could be done within just the browser and nothing else, no extra equipment. So if this sounds like something you wish to get into and you've been thinking about it, but you haven't done so already, you haven't made that leap. Well, take that leap of faith with me, ladies and gentlemen. Go to zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use my code scp and you'll get 30 percent off your first month of any zencaster paid plan i want you to have the same easy experiences i do for all my podcasting and content needs it's time to share your story again go to zencaster.com forward slash pricing that is z-e-n C-A-S-T-R dot com forward slash pricing and make sure to use my special offer code, which is just three easy letters, S-C-P, and that will give you the 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. Don't wait now. The world needs your story. The world needs your opinion. The world needs your conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, we're all human together. We're all a community. We're all here to share our differences, share our thoughts, share our opinions. So why not do it with a podcast? And you can start today at any time that you want. Again, make sure to go to Zencaster.com forward slash pricing and enter in SCP for that 30% off. And that's how I can save you money on your podcasting journey. Let's talk about C-Block, Mikey Nichols versus David Finley. I am starting to believe that the more aggressive side that David Finley shows against his opponents, that his opponents don't know how to respond very well to his aggression because once the aggression happens, everything moves kind of fast and it looks sort of sloppy rather than urgent. There are a few wrestlers that Finley can do his aggressive side with, and it looks fantastic and beautiful, but I don't think wrestlers like Mikey Nichols and Shane Hayes understand how to navigate that sort of aggressiveness. David Finley is not going to fight Shane Hayes in his G1, but just to give an example, 
because since Mikey Nichols and Shane Hayes are a tag team, they are known for tag team wrestling rather than their singles career and competition. So because they are a tag team specialist, they don't really have that aggressive side to them or probably work with others who are aggressive like David Finley. If they're going to fight another tag team, most likely that story with inside that ring, it's not going to have any type of aggression type of level. The reason why David Finley is aggressive is because he wants to bring the best out of his opponents and that is what makes a very, very good match. And there are some opponents that will respond like I said, very well to being attacked aggressively and have that story inside the ring. It's just that with this one, Mikey should have had a couple of reps ahead of time training with individual wrestlers to get that chemistry going, that footing going. He's still good. He's still good in the ring. I'm not trying to be like, oh, no, he's not. It's just that from the last two matches, it's sort of like he has to find that groove of being a singles competitor because he hasn't been a singles competitor in a while since he's mainly tag team. As the match went on, both of these guys were evenly matched. Mikey Nichols getting in some suplexes onto David Finley. David Finley controlling most of the match in the beginning until Mikey started to pick up steam. Of course, there were no shenanigans again at all from Gato. Gato has been at ringside ever since David Finley took over and has not interfered. As we get closer to the match, David Finley does into oblivion to Mikey Nichols, goes over for the cover, one, two, three. David Finley gets two points for his G1 Climax 33 match. Now let's talk about D-Block, Jeff Cobb versus Alex Coughlin. This was a 100% Power block of a match. Power. Straight up power. Jeff Cobb is no one to mess with. Alex Coughlin is no one to mess with. And yes, we can probably debate about the fact that Jeff Cobb is the veteran. Alex Coughlin is still coming into his own being in New Japan, being in Bullet Club, being part of War Dogs. However, they are both equally matched. They need to surprise each other, one-up each other, because you are expecting these two bulls to go at it at full strength and do really incredible things. Like we saw Alex Coughlin pick up Jeff Cobb. Nobody, there is like 1% of people that includes Alex Coughlin that can pick up Jeff Cobb with ease and throw him down face first. There is that 1%, which is Alex Coughlin, to do very inhumane things. However, doing all of this stuff like a deadlift gut wrench suplex to Jeff Cobb, which is really unseen, unheard of, you know, that's amazing. That deadlift fireman's carry and then throwing Jeff Cobb onto the mat, that's amazing. However, that expels so much energy, so much strength because you have to really use your core muscles to pick up another guy. That dude is way more heavier than you. So you're expending more energy than what you need to. So I don't know if that caused Alex Coughlin to, sorry, spoiler alert, lose the match. However, I do think that Alex Coughlin needs to tap into being smart with his time. Whenever you see him wrestle at Josh Barnett's Bloodsport, 
Like, he really takes control of the match. He takes control of the wrestling style, that very sound technical ability that he has. But he's there thinking. He's thinking as a wrestler. In this match, it feels like he's thinking more of the showman kind. And that's also to the first match as well. Even though he tries to use the outside to his advantage, which is a plus. That's definitely a plus that could be on your side. But for the most part, it feels like showmanship rather than trying to play it smart. And even though he's a very strong guy, I love watching Alex Coughlin in the ring. It's very inspiring. It's very different from everyone else. And I did say in the last episode that Guys like Alex Coughlin and Jeff Cobb, their specialties should be on the spotlight. Their specialties are their strength. They do things different from other people. Obviously, they're bigger men, so they're not going to fight like cruiserweights, even though Jeff Cobb does a beautiful standing moonsault and a beautiful dropkick, and so can Alex Coughlin. But they have to play to their strengths, which they do, but in Alex's case, I think the smartest thing for him to do is to be that smart wrestler and not always the wrestler that does these amazing things just to get that clip over on Twitter, even though that's not a bad thing. You know, there are ways for him to get two points, which is staying focused, being the wrestler and doing things unorthodox in the ring and following up, don't waste no time, don't waste no movements, really go in there and be that snake that can slither in and out of everything, trip up the opponent, get the one, two, three, and finally get two points on the board. Currently, Alex doesn't have any points in the G1, and that just goes to show that while he's doing everything right, there is something that's not clicking in these matches that the other opponent knows. So I would think that it's best for Alex to switch up a tiny bit, focus on the ground technique, and depending on who he's facing, he can adjust. Because I know he could adjust on the fly. He's a very smart dude. He's a very smart wrestler. But for some reason, the wrestlers he's faced know something that he doesn't know. So maybe that could be an opportunity where he can go back to basics. Sometimes you have to go back to basics in order to try to get the one up on your opponent because they're not going to expect that. They're not going to expect that because who goes back to their fundamentals? Nobody. Everyone learns the fundamentals, but then they start adding a bunch of crap that doesn't need to be in their movesets or in their character and forget about fundamentals. And if they keep losing, they're like, what can I do to change it? Go back to your fundamentals Take it slow, control the match as much as you can, and also study your opponent. Don't just be like, oh, I got this. No, because obviously if you keep on losing, your opponent knows something that you don't know. I could have went through all of my notes to tell you who did what move and all of that, but I want to focus on story. I want to focus on Alex Cognon specifically because, like I said, there are things that he does in the match that are wonderful, that are great, that are timeless memories. And you're like, oh my God, he's so good at what he does because he has that really huge ass strength to do unthinkable things that no other wrestler has done. But at the same time, it's like, 
you got to switch it up. You got to focus on something else. It's cool to do all the deadlifting things, but if you are exerting your energy more than anything, then maybe you got to take a step back. Jeff Cobb, he's a veteran. He's been all over the world. He's done it all. And I am happy that he's gaining momentum in the G1 because it is long overdue for this guy to hold a fucking championship title. It is long overdue for the United Empire to gain some respect. And that also includes Hinari in this conversation as well. But anyway, unfortunately, Jeff Cobb manages to get Alex Coughlin, does tour the islands, Goes for the cover. One, two, three. Jeff Cobb gets the victory. Jeff Cobb gets two points in this match. Let's go to C Block. Eddie Kingston versus Evil. Eddie Kingston comes out with a candlestick stick as an equalizer. This is a first time ever matchup and it was kind of cool to see. As you know. Every single episode that I talk about House of Torture and Evil, the crowd definitely does not like Evil and the House of Torture. So the moment that there was a ref bump, Eddie Kingston obviously used the candlestick to defend himself against Evil and Dick Togo. And then we get some more wrestling, some more moves until another ref bump. Like, there were three ref bumps in this match. Can we lower it to at least one or two or no ref bumps when it comes to evil in the House of Torture? And so, as this second ref bump happens, here comes Dick Togo to, you know, use a candlestick to Eddie Kingston. And the moment that Dick Togo whacks Eddie Kingston in the head, Eddie Kingston basically cursed him out and said he's going to fuck him up. And... Dick Togo is afraid at this point. Here comes Evil with the low blow. The referee didn't see it. Of course, the referee didn't see it. And everything is evil. Then Evil goes for the cover. One, two, three. And Evil gets two points in his G1 Climax 33 match against Eddie Kingston. Now it's more story time. So the next event, which is on... Sunday, July 23rd, the main event is going to be Evil versus David Finley of C-Block. Now, there has been a lot of discussion, a lot of talk on the internet. I even asked Clark Connors in my recent interview. If you guys have not seen that interview, go watch that interview. It is on YouTube. It is a video on Spotify. And during my interview with Clark Connors, I asked him about Evil in the House of Torture and if they are part of Bullet Club, like, what are they doing? What's David doing? Like, what is House of Torture in Bullet Club? Like, do they belong there? Like, what's happening? So Clark told me that I would have to eventually ask David Finley because he doesn't even know. But, you know, it's not really his place to say. So when David had his backstage comments, I'm like, obviously somebody heard me. So he basically said that... We will have to wait for the answer come the main event on July 23rd when he fights Evil. I am still going to stand my ground and say that Evil is eventually going to get kicked out of Bullet Club. Evil and the House of Torture are a household name. They do not need the umbrella brand of Bullet Club. And recently, their merchandise don't even have the Bullet Club logo on the shirts. So it's like, why are they still part of bullet club also 
David Finley took offense to what Evo said, and Evo said it in Japanese of remember who's at the front, remember who's at the fore. So he said that in Japanese during the G1 press conference. And David Finley said it took a couple days to get the translation and even questioned Evo asking him why you didn't tell me straight to my face in English because apparently when David Finley was in the dojo system and Evo was there and they went on excursion, they basically talked English the whole entire time. So David Finley has revealed that Evo knows English. And so David again was asking him, like, how come you didn't tell me? By Evo doing that, speaking in Japanese and throwing that in there, is a slap in the face to David. It's a threat to David's position. And we all saw in the beginning that if you threaten David in any way, shape, or form, if you don't fall in line and you threaten him before you can take him out, he's going to take you out first. That is what makes him super dangerous is because, sure, you might say that like his paranoia might be up because he might think that everybody might be a threat to his position. However, he's doing the smart thing of not allowing people to try to break the armor that he is building within bullet club because the moment that somebody can infiltrate and take that armor down who's to say that there won't be a really huge mutiny happening and kick them out for all the wrong reasons and then bullet club ends up dying so in order to save everything keep it protected and push along and show the world why bullet club is still needed David Finley decides to pull that trigger and become that killer, that savage, and take that person out. Because the moment that someone questions your loyalty, then everyone else is going to do it. It may not be the most ideal way to have a group, but it is the strongest way. You want the strongest warriors. You want the strongest soldiers that will fall in line and do as you say. And then also as a group, do what you say for the betterment of the group. Because look at it now. The four war dogs, Alex Coughlin, Gabe Kidd, Clark Connors, Dan Maloney, and including David Finley, they all had championship gold within New Japan Pro Wrestling. They are quite literally the fastest people to get gold almost simultaneously, give or take. But they are the fastest to get gold. No one else in Bullet Club across the board has gotten that gold that fast in like a succession. Other members during the different eras will take time to get gold, but not together as like a unit in a way. So that is why David Finley is very dangerous to have as a leader of Bullet Club. And why this is so interesting to me is because Evil just decided to be like, hey, remember who's at the front? And that is a slap in the face to David. That is a threat to David's position. And David, without skipping a beat in his backstage promo, was basically telling Evil to watch his back because he has war dogs everywhere. So David is not going to hide behind anything. He's not going to show you a magic trick and like talk to you indirectly. If he needs to take somebody out, there is that warning that is very direct to the person he's going to take out. So I'm going to firmly believe that 
Evil in the House of Torture are going to get kicked out. David Finley needs to win this upcoming match against Evil. David Finley also mentioned his track record. He has one of the better track records other than Evil. Now, for some backstory, because you're probably wondering why is Evil in Bullet Club in the first place. So during the pandemic, since everything was on lockdown and New Japan was still trying to do shows, they needed a leader for Bullet Club. At the time, Jay White was stuck here with us in the United States, so there was no way for him to go travel to Japan and be the frontman for Bullet Club. And so Jay worked on the Bullet Club front over here for America, for Strong, and the other promotions. And so when the world was starting to open back up with the restrictions still in place, I remember a backstage promo where he questioned Gato and was like, did you replace me? I'm paraphrasing here, by the way. But he questioned Gato and why Evil was there and why Evil was taking charge and of course Gato had to reassure Jay that no it's still Jay's bullet club it's still his era all that kind of stuff and so evil sort of went towards the back and really wasn't talked to again wasn't challenged again and never really challenged Jay White and they continuously worked together I will say this though that with David Finley because David Finley heard the comments from Evil and feels like he is threatened, at least he's not backing down. With the JY situation in Evil, there was a little bit of a back down and it was just like, we're going to leave it just to leave it rather than trying to form it into a storyline, into a really good storytelling aspect within Bullet Club and see what can be done. But now it's time for evil in the house of torture to go because i personally believe they overstay their welcome let's talk about d block tanahashi versus shane hayes this was a chain wrestling match we had some arm drags and elbow a second row body splash that takes shane hayes down all done by tanahashi himself Tanahashi seems like he has new life whenever he's fighting in a New Japan ring. But whenever he comes to the States, it's like, I don't know what happened, Tanahashi. The energy is there when he comes to the States. But the performance level really isn't there. But then for the G1, he's been doing really great. Shane Hayes is trying to out-wrestle Tanahashi at times, trying to be a little bit smarter, one step ahead of Tanahashi but this whole entire match was about wrestling and just getting moves in into the match there's not really much that I can really comment on for like story-wise I just know that Tanahashi wants to get back to where he was previously again Shane Hayes is the other tag team member to Mikey Nichols and so Shane Hayes is going on his own little singles career at the moment for the G1 Tanahashi manages to do aces high and the high five flow. And Tanahashi goes for the cover to Shane Hayes, gets the one, two, three. And Tana gets two points for his G1 Climax 33. For C Block, we have Shingo Takagi versus Hanare. I can watch these guys wrestle 
forever. I really can't. They are definitely the best at what they do. They're definitely warriors. They're both stubborn and they're both powerful guys. Hinari is the homie, as you guys know, and eventually Shingo one day will be the homie, too. You know, I keep saying in my podcast episodes that Wrestling 101 is never headbutt a Polynesian, but nobody has been listening to my podcast episodes. In this match, Shingo tries to go and headbutt Hinari, and it's like, you guys got to stop. Hinari has a really hard head. You know, he's Polynesian. He's indigenous. He's Maori. He's also a tribal chief now. And you do not have but somebody that can really knock you the fuck out. And there has been times where Shingo gets knocked out. Other people get knocked out. And it's like, listen, Hinari has a hard head. Stop headbutting him. That goes for Samoans. That goes for Tongans. Stop headbutting them. They are not normal. Anyway, Shingo is amazing in this match. Shingo really hits Hinari super hard with all the lariats, the pumping bombers, and Hinari still keeps going. He absorbs all of this. He kicks out at like 2.9 when the referee is about to count to three, but Hinari still stays in it. The spirit of his ancestors are there to always guide him in these matches. And just a reminder that all these matches are 20 minutes. So we finally get to the one minute mark. And this is where everybody is on their seats. Everybody is making noise and sound. The referee is even getting in on it. And so Hinari goes to do Streets of Rage, his finisher, his other finisher to Shingo. He does Streets of Rage. One, two, three. Hinari gets two points in his G1 Climax 33 against Shingo. This is a very big deal because these guys have this little mini feud going on of who is the best. They are two amazing athletes. They are two amazing warriors, and they always put on a very good show, a very good time. I do want to take a moment to address Hinari's backstage comments because sometimes... New Yorkers, okay. Hinari's next match is going to be against Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston has been saying that it's always been his dream to wrestle in Japan, whether that's for New Japan or Noah or All Japan. It doesn't matter. He got the dream. He's here. He's wrestling for New Japan Pro Wrestling. He is our current New Japan Strong Openweight Champion. So he lived the dream. He got it. He's here. And Hinari's counter to that is of the lines of is it really Eddie's dream to be in Japan did Eddie do everything that he could to be in Japan because Hinari worked his ass off to get to Japan stay in Japan be a household name and do everything for his family do everything for New Zealand and do everything to put indigenous people in the spotlight with everything that he does So, you know, I can understand where Hinari is coming from because you have a New Yorker that's like, oh, yeah, this is my dream. But it looked like on the surface that Eddie probably didn't do everything in his power to get to Japan, which I can definitely agree with that. I do want to say, though, that sometimes when you're born and raised in New York, the reason why we survive 
in other places and even survive in New York is because we have that mentality of that we have to survive. Sometimes we have to put our dreams, our hopes on the back burner just to fucking survive because the city will eat you up, spit you out, and you have to learn how to get back on your feet multiple times. A lot of shit happens in the city. A lot of shit happens in families. A lot of tragedy happens as well. I'm not saying it doesn't happen anywhere else in the world or anywhere else in America, but we're currently focusing on New York City itself. So sometimes the dreams that we have have to be put on the back burner, and sometimes we don't know how to go about the path to get to what we want because we have been backstabbed. We have been conned by idiots on the street or people that would say, oh, yeah, I have the in. I have the networking. Sometimes when we do network, you end up meeting snakes. And I know I'm talking about all the negatives, but all of that combined, all of those obstacles that we face and even though we overcome it and we might you know one day forgive ourselves forgive other people so we can heal and move on from this tragedy and trauma and all that kind of stuff it's still in the back of our mind that we're never going to achieve anything because sometimes we don't know how to ask for things and if we do ask for something we're called weak we're called oh you know we don't give handouts you know it's automatically like no 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 and that's also because of like how people are treated in the city versus how people are treated in the suburbs. I'm only speaking from experience of being in the city. And sometimes, yeah, our dreams are being put on the back burner. Luckily for me, as you guys know, I conquered my dream of working for WWE. That was my seven-year-old dream. I got the chance. It may not have been in the department that I wanted, but I still went, go did it. I told the whole world and I accomplished that. And now I'm accomplishing more. Not to make it about me, but just to give a comparison of that. Most of the time we do get out of situations. Even though I still live in New York City, it still kind of sucks here. I want to go travel the world. I want to go talk to more wrestlers. I want to go help more wrestlers behind the scenes. But to get back to the point that Eddie Kingston and Hinare have similar paths, just completely different stories. But the overall picture of how they got to where they got to and the struggles that they did Probably one is more than the other, but I can just say that there's a parallel, a very similar parallel between these two men, because the struggles that Hinari went through, we sometimes experience that here in New York City with the gangs, the ghettos, the idiocy, like it's sometimes annoying and exhausting. And I don't want to talk about New York problems because that's not what this podcast is about, but just to be on the same level, there is that sense of sometimes people don't make it. Sometimes people don't go and achieve their dreams and then they're angry. And there's a bunch of obstacles. There's a bunch of things that stop people. And yeah, Somebody could say that it's easy to just ignore it, keep your head down and go for it. And most of the time people do that. But there's always something in life that ends up happening along the way where it destroys all of that and shit happens. And, you know, it's not always a good look. So, you know, as much as I'm rooting for Hinari to win his match against Eddie Kingston in the upcoming G1 Climax, 
I do have to say that I think that there are similar stories to be told of how Hinari's path started and how's it going. And the same thing with Eddie Kingston of his path starting and how's it going, you know, and how he ended up getting to New Japan. You guys know that age old famous story or quote or just something where it's along the lines of it doesn't matter how you get there. It's what you do to get there. And it could take you super longer than like everyone else to get to your goal at the end of your journey you know something along those lines that's exactly what eddie kingston is at this point in his career and in his life it took him so long to get to japan it took him so long to get to new japan pro wrestling it took him so long to get a new japan strong title it took him so long for that hinari didn't really take him that long it didn't take him as long as eddie kingston but it did take Hinari a while to get to where he wanted to get to. But he was dedicated day in and day out and just basically kept pushing through. And that's why it took like Hinari a little bit more shorter of a time than Eddie Kingston. I'm just trying to show you guys the differences, the similarities, including my own experience here in New York City. Like New York City still eats you up, spits you out, and you have to get back up on your legs and it doesn't matter how many times they knock you down as long as you get up keep going and keep showing that same passion for whatever you love whatever you like like eventually the things that you dream about will come true like with this podcast I'm gonna be honest again if you guys did not listen to episode 300 I'm still amazed at the work that I put in with this podcast and the things that I'm doing behind the scenes and me starting my commentary journey and me just really giving it my all and giving it my passion to pursue professional wrestling. And nothing has deterred me from that because this is my life. This is my livelihood. I want to take you on the road with me. I want to take you traveling with me. I want to share my really awesome passion for wrestling because i believe it's an art form i believe it's an escape from fucking bullshit and misery that we have to deal with and nothing seems to be getting better sometimes but wrestling makes everything better for me it makes me happy it makes me appreciate the art form appreciate that i can be this analyst and be this helper to the wrestlers if they ever need me for anything to look over for any feedback or anything like that it's for me to give back like there's something very unexplainable and i really don't think i do a very good job of explaining why i love wrestling but I just think it's very unexplainable or I try to explain it the best I can about why I love doing what I do, why I love interacting with the wrestlers that I interact and why I love putting them on the spotlight. You know, I don't really know them personally, personally, like, you know, their favorite color or like their favorite food or like something very, very personal. But from a character standpoint, that's what I really love to put on a pedestal. That's what I really love to do, you know. And I really hope that you get some type of value out of these podcast episodes. I hope you get some type of value when you go over to my newsletter, when you go over to my Discord, when you come into my live streams. I want to make sure that you are seen, you are loved, you are heard. And I want to make sure that these podcast episodes have enough value in them, enough information in them, enough discussion in them. So that way we can come together as a community to celebrate 
the really big thing that we love, which is professional wrestling, and talk about these characters in kayfabe rather than a personal thing. Because, again, whatever they do in their personal lives has nothing to do with me and nothing to do with this podcast. We keep everything kayfabe here and we can fantasy book and the whole nine. And if you do feel that way that my podcast helps you out in some way or you enjoy my podcast, please let me know somewhere on social media. Lend me some encouragement. Content creation is a very, very lonely job. I love doing what I do, but it's a very lonely job. So let me know if I'm doing things right. Again, just to wrap up this little section, Hinari is doing great things and I am super proud of him. Hinari gets two points in his match against Shingo. Our next match is D-Block, Goto versus Naito. Goto versus Naito, they are no strangers to each other. They fought many, many times, and Naito feels completely comfortable whenever he's fighting a familiar foe. They have wrestled forever in a very ongoing feud, off and on, nothing too huge. Goto is from Chaos. Naito is from LIJ. They're both fighting. This is just a regular wrestling match to get two points. Goto wants to show the world that even though he's getting up there in age and most of the time wrestling is overtaken by young wrestlers and young wrestlers doing amazing things in matches, that Goto wants to make sure that the world knows that Goto, Naito, and Tanahashi, the older guys in the G1, can definitely still hang with the younger crew. This match definitely goes almost towards the time limit. Once we get down to the three-minute mark, that is when Naito starts to go at full speed, ends up doing Destino, which is his finisher. So he hits another Destino on Goto, goes for the cover, gets one, two, three, and Naito gets two points for his G1 Climax 33. Most of the older wrestlers, I'm starting to see that they don't know how to have a match within 20 minutes or less. So the fact that these matches are 20 minutes or less is a really huge testament to their wrestling ability and to make sure that they can put away their opponent and, you know, maybe even outlast their opponent. But if they do outlast, that means they're going to a time limit draw. But for the most part, some of these guys don't know what it means to stop at 20 minutes. They are so used to the 30 minute, 40 minute, 45 minute, maybe even an hour long in wrestling because they drag it out for the story. They drag it out for the ups and downs, the emotions, the roller coasters and everything. So they're used to that. And now our main event. We have C Block. Ishii versus Tama. Tama and Ishii have been fighting forever as singles and tag team. Ishii brings the best out of his opponents. Tama does too. Tama's coming into this G1 with the purpose of beating everybody, winning the G1, and reminding everybody that him versus Okada was not a fluke. That win against Okada wasn't a fluke. 
And that should have been his ticket to be first in line to get an IWGP World Heavyweight Championship title shot when Okada was still champion before Sonata ended up getting the championship title. But that never happened. I don't know why no one pushed for that. If I was in Tama's corner, I would have made sure that management will give Tama a championship opportunity because... This guy fucking deserves it. This guy's been doing it all in New Japan Pro Wrestling, been racking up wins with his brother in tag team wrestling, and then the singles career is amazing. Ishii is amazing too, and what I really like about Ishii is that depending on who he's wrestling, they sort of let him adapt and do things that you'll never see him do. Like in this match against Tama... Ishii does the gun stun, which is a cutter, or for anyone out there that's a WWE fan, if you ever saw Randy Orton do the RKO, it is similar to that. Ishii does not do cutters. Ishii is a grappler. Ishii will forearm the shit out of you. He'll slap the shit out of you. He'll chop the shit out of you. He will do brain busters and vertical suplexes. He does a lot of hard-hitting, strong-style kind of moves but to do a cutter of all things i was impressed everybody was impressed and this is why sometimes ishii is very underrated ishii does not get the flowers that he deserves he is definitely a staple in new japan pro wrestling and he's a very good help to the wrestlers and just adapting like it was really good to see him do a cutter we all were like oh my god that's awesome however Tama put up one hell of a fight against Ishii. Ishii is a very heavy-handed hitter, and Tama could definitely take all of the chops, all the moves, and everything like that. However, we get down to the last five minutes of this match. Ishii goes for a brain buster, but because Tama need him in the face, Tama turned that into a gun-stun counter. Tama picks up Ishii and does the Jay Driller in honor of Jay Briscoe, who we lost not so long ago. Rest his soul. Tama goes over to the cover. One, two, three. Tama gets two points in his G1 Climax 33, ending the show for this review of July 19, 2023. Now let's go over the scoreboard or leaderboard for C block and D block for July 19, 2023. If you guys want to see the graphics and follow along that way, there are two options to do so. You can join my Discord, Square Circle Society Discord, by clicking the link down in the description below, joining the family, talking about wrestling, talking about New Japan Pro Wrestling, and you get to see behind the scenes of how I take my notes, how I write about the matches, and the graphics that I put up in the Discord. Or if you are signed up to the newsletter, marieshadows.substack.com, it is also called the Square Circle Society. I also include the graphics to each of the G1 Climax events, the matches, in every single post that is posted up on marieshadow.substack.com. So those are the ways that you can see the graphics if you are a visual person. Now, let me go over the scoreboard and update the scoreboard for July 19, 2023 for C Block. Tamatanga has two points. Ishii has zero. Shingo has zero. 
Mikey Nichols has two. Aaron Hinari has two. Eddie Kingston has two. David Finley has four. And Evil has four. Here is the updated scoreboard for D-Block for July 19th, 2023. Tanahashi has two. Goto has two. Yano has zero. Naito has two. Zack Zaber Jr. has four. Shane Hayes has two. Jeff Cobb has four. Alex Coughlin has zero. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed this whole entire review of the G1 Climax 33 for July 19th, 2023. If you guys at all want to discuss this or even give me your thoughts, there are multiple ways where you can do so. You can join the Discord, Square Circle Society. It is open up to everybody where we discuss about professional wrestling and try to host some events and talk about ideas and fantasy booking. And if that's something that you're interested in, click that link down in the description to join my Discord, the Square Circle Society. If you want to leave feedback on the newsletter, sign up to marieshadows.substack.com. Listening to the podcast episode is free. If anybody wants to throw in a couple bucks as a tip, I am always down for that. And if you want to support me further, follow me on Twitter at Marie underscore shadows. Follow the newsletter, marieshadows.substack.com. Join the Discord to stay updated on everything that I do. Podcast-wise, writing-wise, interviewing, live streaming, my career as a commentator in wrestling, and other things. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. We'll love to see you in the Discord. We'd love to hear your voice and have you be seen and acknowledge you and everything else as well. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to an episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows, and I'll see you guys on the next one.